You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Once again, for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show is always brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa, where right now, They have your festive July the 4th chocolate-covered popcorn. That's right. Red, white, and blue chocolate popcorn waiting for you right now at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. They've got that white chocolate covering that popcorn for you. And then some decorative blue and some red stuff on there for you. Good stuff. It's going to taste great. Going to look great for your July the 4th holiday right there. You can get it. Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison. And together, we combine to form the 60 minute way of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, how are you this morning? I'm doing all right. It's a little gloomy outside and it's the off season. So got got to find ways to, you know, get through the day. <laughs> You know, two months from yesterday, you're going to have week zero college football action. August the 28th, just two, we're inside two months until week zero matchups featuring the Fighting Illini of Illinois and Nebraska. Going to get into some Big Ten conference play right out the gate in week zero. And you're also going to have Hawaii, our our, of course, Rainbow Warriors going to head to Pasadena to take on the Bruins of UCLA. That's one week before Coach O and the Tigers. We coming for UCLA in week one out there at the Rose Bowl. So we can see it. It's in the distance, but we can see the college football season from here. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us. Pretty full show today, I would say. We've got Brent Beard coming up in just a little bit to take us around the Southeastern Conference and beyond. Brent, of course, a fixture on the program on Tuesdays. Look forward to checking in with Brent in just a little bit. And then coming up around 1145, we're expecting to hear from 2018 Bolitnikoff award-winning wide receiver, Jerry Judy. That's right, Jerry Judy heading into his second season as a member of the Denver Broncos. Jerry expected to join the program again around 11.45, so we look forward to that visit from number 10 out in Denver, Jerry Judy. Should be a lot of fun coming up later in the show. A lot to talk about between all of that, though. College World Series action last night in Omaha. Vandy silenced. There was a lot of Mississippi State buzz, wasn't there? Going into game one of that championship series last night, just felt like it felt like this was Mississippi State's year. Not only to win the College World Series, which that fan base holds as near and dear to its heart as it does any championship in all of collegiate athletics. Look, maybe, maybe a college football national championship 
would barely surpass a baseball national championship for the Mississippi State fan base, but not by much. I think it's a dead heat if you ask a lot of Mississippi State fans. Love the college baseball. And it just had that feeling that with the way Mississippi State has battled back and that hellacious two of three win over Texas to get to the championship series, just felt like a team that was going to be tough to derail. But Vandy got that seven-run bottom of the first last night, and that was pretty much it for game one of the championship series for the 2021 College World Series Vandy wins 8-2. to two. We talked about it yesterday. It was, I mean, gosh, could Vandy have more advantages going into that game last night? Didn't have to play the if-ness game against NC State. Not only that, was able to preserve Jack Leiter, one of its co-aces on that pitching staff, as if that pitching staff isn't deep enough on an annual basis as it is, got to hold Jack Leiter until last night in game one against the Bullies, and Leiter was okay by his standards. Walked three, gave up three hits, gave up the home run there. The home run in the top of the first really spurred that belief that, well, this is it. This is Mississippi State's year. And then the Commodores came with that seven-run hammer in the bottom of the frame, going to win 8-2. to two. Game two set for tonight out in Omaha. Unfortunately, we had the disturbing reports Late last night and earlier today, including one directly in a tweet from Vanderbilt Athletics Director Candace Lee, that some of the uh, student-athlete parents for Vanderbilt were subjected to racial slurs during last night's game. Uh, as Candace Lee pointed out, absolutely unacceptable, disgraceful, abhorrent. You picked the, the adjective, uh, and it's just a shame. You know, folks uh, so weak minded that in a, uh, a a baseball tournament, college baseball tournament, they resort to that type of hatefulness and uh, that type of behavior. But uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll get better in game two tonight out there in Omaha. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line NBA playoffs. What did we talk about yesterday? With the NBA playoffs, road teams, road teams in the conference finals. And it happened again last night in Phoenix as Paul George and a lot of you folks are begrudgingly having to go ahead and give him the title, the self-anointed title of playoff Paul. Playoff Paul with 41 last night, 30 in the second half as a depleted Clippers team. You just knew, you knew that series was over last night in Phoenix. With all the absences piling up for that L.A. Clippers team, this is it. You know, Sun's going to go ahead and wrap this thing up in five. But no, but no, the Clippers get the W of that series now. 3-2, Sun's still in command, but uh, they play on in the Western Conference playoffs. Look forward to having Jerry Judy on later in the program and – Upon confirming with his people, and Jerry has people, good for him. We all wish we had people at the end of the day. You can say what you want, but you know you wish you had people working for you. And Jerry does as a professional athlete these days. You know, it got me to thinking, quarterback situations for the rideouts that pass through the Alabama program. Who has the best current quarterback situation of the four? Jerry Judy in Denver? Teddy Bridgewater coming on board there to go along with Drew Locke. Some rumblings about Aaron Rodgers. Henry Ruggs III in Vegas with Derek Carr. Devontae Smith, now of the Philadelphia Eagles, with Jalen Hurts and company. What about Jalen Waddle? Down in Miami with Tua. So I put it to a pole vote there on, could be a new Olympic sport, right? The pole vote instead of the pole vote. Uh, I put it to vote on Twitter last night. And of course, look, it got all bammed up. The poll did because the Bama fans come straight in. And that's fine. They go straight with Jalen Waddle. 62% of nearly 300 votes to this point. Jalen Waddle with Tua is the best quarterback situation of those four former Alabama wide receivers. 
I think the more objective voters in the poll went with Henry Ruggs III in Vegas with Derek Carr. Certainly, if you talk about a track record among these quarterback situations, you got to go with Derek Carr, don't you? Devontae Smith, third in the poll, and Jerry, poor Jerry, 4.9% of the vote for Jerry Judy in the current situation he finds himself in with the quarterbacks there in Denver. What about it, Jacob Harrison? Who do you go with of those four wide receivers from Alabama and their quarterback sitches going into the 2021 season? Yeah, I got uh, I got Jalen Waddle out to an early lead on that poll. I was the first person to vote on it, but uh, <laughs> no, it's no doubt it's Tua though. I mean, I know he had a, a, a slightly disappointing season last no year. No doubt it's Tua. But but I mean, Drew Locke's not very good. Tua's more accurate than Jalen Hurts, uh, and a lot of the excitement that he brought to the table last year was had a lot to do with the running game. Uh, and with Derek Carr, man, I, I've I've lost a lot of patience with him because I thought he was going to be a lot better and. Uh, if you go back and look at some of the, the deep balls that, that Ruggs had to catch, he had to stop for a lot of them. So I don't know if he's got the arm to take advantage of Henry Ruggs' ability. Mm-hmm. Steven Joy responded on Twitter, that's a tough one. It's probably Ruggs, but Waddle has the most potential. I thought that was a very objective, realistic viewpoint. As it sits today, I do agree. My expectation is that it will be Waddle with Tua. That's my expectation expectation of those four but as it sits right now what we know what we've seen yeah yeah probably rugs by just a little bit for me but my expectation my anticipation is that with Jalen Waddle stepping into that situation well that's gonna make Tua a lot better in its own right we're gonna step aside to our first break and we come back Brent Beard of College Sports Today First Coast News he'll join us on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports, Jerry Judy coming up later in the program. More of the show right after this. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mixture of clouds and sunshine. A few spots could see a passing shower or storm through the evening hours. The high today, 88. The low tonight, 71. Tomorrow and Thursday, partially sunny with scattered storms around both days. Highs between 86 and 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics Tide 100.9 FM at this time on Tuesday. So we'd like to jump on board with Brent Beard of College Sports Today, First Coast News. And of course, Brent, also a longtime voter for the Heisman Trophy. And Brent, I see here your opening note in this (laughs) week's College Weekly Notebook. Two months from yesterday, I guess, yeah. or today, we're going to have college football? Uh, uh, two months from the 28th, which was yesterday. That's hard to believe, isn't it, Trav? But we will start with week zero, uh, and we've got Illinois, Nebraska, Hawaii, and UCLA uh, um, on tap for that day. And uh, folks may want to make a mental note by this. UCLA plays week zero LSU doesn't. UCLA, LSU plays uh, the the following week on Labor Day. I'm not saying UCLA will win, uh, but that's got to help them a little bit, doesn't it, Trav, to have a game before LSU even plays? It does. You would think so, for sure. And Illinois-Nebraska, Brett Bielema making his debut as head coach of the Fighting Illini. Really a couple of teams that you could have envisioned, maybe even more so Nebraska, 
you know, Brett Bielema at one point thinking about him as a possible head coach of the Cornhuskers. I think Brett Bielema would be a good fit he at Nebraska, be. but a lot of people thought that about Scott Frost, too. Yeah, well, and listen, uh, folks haven't heard this. Another thing that does not help Scott Frost is his AD, uh, who is Bill Moose, is going to retire uh, this week, uh, as a matter of fact, he's been there for four years. Uh, and I mean, you, you, uh, if you're Scott Frost and Nebraska is a pretty patient school overall. Uh, but at some point, if things kind of get, um, a little bit uncomfortable for him, uh, and you've got a new AD who didn't hire you, uh, that that's another thing to consider. It is, and again, a lot of folks just figured rubber stamp it. Scott Frost, success out in Lincoln, that's still a tough job. I don't care who you are. You know, the recruiting base, where do you start? Tom Osborne was able to elevate that program to national status Mm -hmm. so he could go to even Southern California uh, and get big-time talents, get guys like Lawrence Phillips, the late Lawrence Phillips back in the day, the running back out of California. He could go to Texas. Uh, I could go to Florida. I got Tommy Frazier, yeah, absolutely. Nebraska quarterback out of Bradenton, Florida. But uh, not so much these days for Big Red. It's falling upon hard times, no doubt about that. Speaking of hard times, Brent, it seems like the stark reality for too many of these young folks who continue to flood the NCAA transfer portal is that as you've said on this program before, sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side. In fact, Sometimes there's not another side at all. No, when you look at no. going from a power five to another power five. I know Chris Hummer, a 24 seven sports.com recently did a deep dive on that topic. Others have hit on it as well. Uh, what's the reality for a lot of these young people when they hit the, the transfer portal? When you look at the numbers, it's really startling. It's in Travis, uh, only 26% of the power five players who entered the portal end up signing with a power five school and only 37% of the golly, 826 FBS scholarship players uh, that were examined in a study uh, did the same. So, I mean, beyond that, 47% of the players transferred down to either FCS or JUCO, uh, which is a high number considering those Power 5 transfers were considered some of the better ones coming out of high school. So, uh, look, guys who are looking at the transfer portal to solve all their problems, uh, Trev, it doesn't take long to look at these stats to figure out that's not the case, is it? It it speaks to if you're going to hit the portal and you've pretty much been a career backup or reserve Mm -hmm. to that point, you're not of starting caliber, at least to that, not that point or this point, of your collegiate career, you be you better be ready for any path yeah. that the portal takes you. And that means two. That means if you can jump into the JUCO ranks and hide out, maybe uh, perform at a high level for a year. Uh, these are things that you better be taking into consideration if you're the typical transfer portal entrant. I think so many of these people, though, so many of these guys and gals, regardless of the sport, they all think that. They're going to be like that star caliber transfer mm-hmm. that's going to attract mm-hmm. that type of interest. And the reality is the numbers just don't allow for it. No, you know, there's, no. there's only so many spots. And then you've got schools continuing to recruit uh, the high school, junior college levels. Uh, you can get lost in the mix very, very quickly. Talking with Brent Beard of College Sports Today, First Coast News on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. So, Brent i got to get your take on name, image, and likeness. I said this yesterday. I really caught a good week to not be on the air last week because (laughs) NIL just absolutely dominated the conversation. As I said yesterday, that's with all due respect to the impact that this is going to have on collegiate athletics. So, Brent, uh, I don't really know what to tell folks what to expect. Uh, Do you have a better grasp on where we're headed with all this than maybe I do? Nobody does, frankly, Travis. Uh, Now, Thursday is going to be the big day. It's July 1, which means that several states 
have enacted a plan, and that plan will go in effect on July 1. Well, people listening is going to say, well, what has the NCAA done? Well, the NCAA, unfortunately, has not done much. Uh, They're going through their own protocol uh, of going through, like, the Division I uh, Council and the appropriate committees that they're going to come out with a interim uh, plan, but that plan still pretty much leaves it up to the individual states. Now, I, I do think Mike Farrell of Rivals had a good uh, article a couple of days ago in what to expect, uh, and I won't go into this uh, in detail, but he just mentions the lawsuits of players being promised one thing by colleges, and then it doesn't happen. Does the transfer portal increase even more? Do some of these guys sit out? Uh, are there going to be some player-coach disputes over this? Some locker room issues that go along with it, too? Uh, now, I do think one thing we'll see on Thursday that, to their credit, some of these players – Uh, much less the schools, have actually got a plan. And I think we will see some of that as they come out with it. Some of them have already kind of branded themselves uh, and got the graphics to go along with it. But, but Travis, right now, this is such a crapshoot that, that frankly, uh, all we can do is just wait and see. But I can tell you this, if anybody – is going to be close to being on top of this, it would be Nick Saban in Alabama. Yeah, it's almost as if as a governing body, the NCAA stuck its fingers in its ears and hummed very loudly in hopes that this would just pass by or pass over and nothing really come of it. Well, the reality is it is here. And as individual institutions and athletic departments and football programs, basketball programs, I think you absolutely said it, Places like Alabama, they've been preparing for this, right, Brent? No doubt. No doubt. Uh, and look, I, I think Nick Saban has alluded to that, hasn't he, Trav, in saying that uh, we, uh, we're adjusting as best we can. We will have a plan. And, Trav, when he says that, I, I have no doubt that he will. We talk about the transfer portal and a program – that we anticipated returning all five of its yeah. offensive line starters for the upcoming season. Apparently that will not be the case as Dare Rosenthal, the projected starting left tackle for the LSU Tigers, uh, was expected to enter the transfer portal yesterday. Now, Dare Rosenthal, while talented, is a guy that, best of my recollection, seems like he spent more time away from the program yes. than he spent even in it yes. over the last three or four years, Brent. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I, I mean, he, uh, I mean, even uh, last year uh, was a good indication. I mean, he played basically, uh, got going toward the end of the season, played in five games, and 2019 only played in seven games. I mean, he was a four-star recruit coming out. Now, he will have three years of eligibility remaining, and Cam Wire, who's a senior, will probably slide down and take uh, his spot. Uh, but he did he did go on the transfer portal this morning. Um, o uh, at Orgeron said, "Well, we will miss him," uh, which I think will be an understatement to, to some degree. But uh, I still think they've got some depth in that they will be okay. But look, anytime you lose a starter on the offensive line in this league, it it, it really says something. And, and again, Travis and I have been saying for frankly months now. And I want to throw this, speaking of O, this information you hear out on him that last Friday, three more women uh, that have opened up about the alleged sexual battery by former LSU football players have actually come out now and and, and mentioned that Orgeron knew about this uh, and really did very little about it. So uh, I, I think the point is not only do you have – uh, you, do you lose a few players in the normal transition? Uh, and, and again, we don't want to get the cart before the horse here, but Trav, we both know that this is not just uh, a $100 handshake. Uh, that, that this Title line stuff is serious business, and, and if this gets worse over the summer, 
Uh, I think this LSU team on the field is going to be very good. It may even be as good or better than A&M to be second Alabama. But, but, but as we've said, this situation with the orange run, uh, uh, that could change things quickly in Baton Rouge. Man, I feel so much. I think we talked about this last week. So much 1999 Alabama yeah. with LSU. Even some 2000 Alabama with it because you got the opener at UCLA. That's right. Like Alabama had 2000 after – winning that unlikely SEC championship in 1999. But, yeah, this is even more problematic for the LSU program and athletic department because Title IX, we're talking about the federalities yes. at that point. Yes. You know, this isn't something within the building where you have an issue or even within the athletic department or the institution in general. Uh, tough to make those Title IX situations go away. They seem to stick uh, pretty good. Uh, to programs with uh, uh, violations potentially in that regard. Hey, Brent, you had some ACC team notes. Typically, we stick with the SEC, but I just thought it was fascinating to illustrate the dominance of Clemson. Really? Really? And this is over the last 10 seasons. The last 10 seasons, ACC wins by respective member institutions, member football programs. Clemson, in the last 10 years, with 100 and 21 ACC wins, and that's 32 more than its nearest competitor in the ACC, Florida State, with 89. And you got to remember, we're talking 10 years here. So Jimbo had that thing going pretty yes. good oh, yeah. up until about the 2017 season when the Seminoles were preseason one or two, lost that opener to Alabama and Atlanta, and the wheels started to come off for – uh, Jimbo in full before he made the jump to Texas A&M. But Clemson, if, if my math is correct here, pretty much a full three wins better per year in ACC play than its nearest competitor, which is Florida State. Uh, they have lapped the field, have they not? And, and as Travis mentioned, this is including from Florida State that national championship with Jimbo. Yeah. Uh, so uh, now I understand Louisville with some of that coaching transition that they have had. Uh, what also caught my eye was Virginia Tech in Miami in the 70s with 78 and 76. Uh, Trevor, there was a note that we shared together uh, on, and it brings uh, to mind uh, with teams that uh, have had a long drought uh, as far as winning national titles, Mississippi State, Virginia Tech, and Kansas State, the only three Power Five conference teams to have never won a national title in any sport. Uh, listen, I, Trev, I get that with Mississippi State, but that uh, look, listen, that surprised me with Virginia Tech. I, I, I mean, I I really thought with uh, with Beamer and some of the uh, baseball, basketball they've had in the past, that uh, that that would have happened. So that that was a that was a little bit of a mild surprise. But but boy, if any if anything illustrates the dominance that Debo Sweeney has had, and and if they had the recruiting rankings here, you would see something similar too, would you not? I think you definitely would. And you talk about droughts. Another note that you have here: Power Five teams that have gone the longest without beating an AP ranked team at the time that the game was contested, you expect sort of Rutgers and Kansas bottom feeders traditionally and power five college football, Boston college, you would think maybe wouldn't have gone, would be going on seven seasons uh, without a win over an AP ranked team. But here's Nebraska again. I mean, yeah. We're talking about right. Nebraska setting uh, approaching the fifth anniversary, five years since Nebraska beat an AP ranked team, not a top 10 team, just a ranked team. It's pretty amazing when you consider the, the uh, prestige of that program. Well, and ranked teams, as you know, Trev, the main up being what? 25th, <laughs> 24th. And then, and then they lose a week later, they're even out. So I, I mean, you don't even have, uh, anything of that nature in here, but but again, got a lot of ACC teams 
uh, that are, that are involved with that, and the uh, and then obviously the other team that that is involved with this would be uh, uh, in Knoxville uh, that has had no success at all in beating an AP top ten uh, since October of '06. Georgia Tech last beat a ranked AP team uh, in November of 2017. My man, Paul Johnson. You know, you can say what you want about Paul Johnson, and we're big Paul Johnson defenders here on the program. But a lot of Georgia Tech footballs, the last time it happened – Happened under Paul Johnson. That's the right. last time Absolutely. Georgia Tech beat Dabo Sweeney. The last time Georgia Tech beat Georgia. You know, a lot of these. A lot of these under our triple option friend, <laughs> Mr. Paul Johnson. Hey, Brent, uh, so where are we at with the college football preview mag situation? We always well, got to get that update from you. Well, I appreciate that. We've got Phil Steele. Uh, who is through interviewing everyone, and, and uh, uh, so now the the magazines basically are on the shelves. Uh, so and again, it's a it's a hard read. Uh, there are a lot of abbreviations. Now Phil does a good job, and he'll tell you how accurate he is every year. Yes, uh, he will. But the uh, uh, reality is, for this year, particularly for Phil. He's interviewed a lot of these coaches within the last, I would say, month. So he probably is a little bit more accurate uh, than some. And uh, I I can certainly appreciate uh, that opportunity. So, uh, yes, they they are on the shelves. uh, And that is important uh, for folks who are looking for the the, the Phil Steele magazine. And the planet, according to Brent Beard, has returned to its axis. Absolutely. Now that we've, got, we've got all the preseason mags. We've got SEC media days upon us, Brent. Although, are you hearing that there could be some adjustments made, maybe even to what the original plan going yes. into SEC yes. media days was in terms of access and having everybody together in mass like we've traditionally had with the SEC football media days? Well, the uh, changes would be probably less people in the print room, which, as you know, is the biggest room that a lot of the media gather in, sometimes as many 500 uh, in, the, in what they call the print room. Uh, the other would be uh, some limitations on Radio Row, which I, I'll be frank with you, um, I, I don't get some of that because Radio Row and Hoover – uh, and the uh, Winfrey is actually a situation where it connects with the mall, uh, and there's plenty of air that circulates uh, in that area, so that they're dealing with that. And uh, the powers to be want to know the teams that everyone covers, so there may even be a situation. I'm not saying this is going to happen, uh, but there's even some speculation that. Some people may only be there instead of four days, only allowed to be there like one or two days. So they're just they're just a lot right now that's still up in the air as far as media days coming up. Uh, the uh, that, that will begin on that uh, Monday, I believe it's the 18th, and we'll go through that Thursday. And with that, another SEC calendar year really will be underway, and you're going to close it out either tonight or tomorrow night. With an SEC team winning the College World Series. Just never seems to end this dominance. <laughs> I wonder what the next sport is that the SEC will just sort of overtake. Maybe like hockey or something. Maybe the SEC yeah. will really get going. I know there are club teams at Alabama, other places. But maybe they'll put it in as a sport. And, uh, boy, would that be just to the absolute horror <laughs> of the schools in the upper Midwest and Northeast if – God forbid Alabama or Florida. I mean, you got the Tampa Bay Lightning, though, in the NHL yeah, that's dominant that's right. right now. Absolutely. And if you had a college college hockey program doing the same, that would be, uh, be kind of tough. Well, Brent, as always, we appreciate the time here on the program. Always good stuff with Brent Beard of College Sports Today. And First Coast News, Brent, thanks so much for your help. Uh, and Trav, as we go from one to ten, Pop's behavior oh, uh, during vacation was it 
was it exemplary Trav or left a lot to be desired? He was he was about an eight and a half through <laughs> the first five and a half days of yeah. the week. And then that last day and a half, he was probably a one and a half. So <laughs> maybe a passing grade for the week. <laughs> With a curve, if we grade with a curve on, yes. on Pops, but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what what happened with Pops last week. Thanks, Brent. My pleasure, bud. Take care. There goes Brent Beard, College Sports Today and First Coast News. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports on Tide, 100.9 FM, right after this. Alabama football countdown clock is driven by Crawford Insurance, Tuscaloosa's low-cost auto insurer. Call 752-6489 for a free quote today. There are there are there are 67 days until Alabama football. Um. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Colin Hay of those guys, Men at Work, kind of a teenager in the 80s. Of course, of course you had Men at Work on the old playlist. Heavy rotation on MTV video runs back in the day. Absolutely. Colin Hay, 68 years old today. Mr. Colin Hay. Early start for yours truly, man. These kids of mine, these adult children of mine, they just don't learn that it's not good for the rents if you fly in to visit after, say, 10 o'clock at night and then leave out before 7 a.m. Those 4.30 starts to get to the airport. Fun, aren't they? Yeah. Another one of those for yours truly. So what do you do at that point? I mean, you get up at 4.30 and you drink some coffee, which kind of gets you going a little bit, gets you to the airport, and then you're back home at 5.30. Then what? Try to go back to sleep? Go ahead and get the day started? I struggle with the sleep as it is. But these kids, they just can't get their travel schedules right. Sent the oldest back out to Montana. Talked about him yesterday. Said, Dad, I need the tickets. I need four of the tickets, four of the Alabama tickets for an October game. I said, sure. So you're thinking about Tennessee, right? All the pageantry, all the history. I believe it's even homecoming at Alabama this year, the Tennessee game. Tennessee has taken on homecoming opponent status. Oof. And um, no, 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 no. He says, he says, actually, if I were going to prioritize them, I'd go Ole Miss first. And then if, uh, if mom doesn't need them for Ole Miss, or if mom needs them for Ole Miss, I'll take Tennessee. I'll take Tennessee, he said. You know, like it's Southern Miss or Toledo. Mercer. Yeah. Off he goes back to the state of Montana. We're going to head to a break, and when we come back, we're going to go to Colorado. I believe we're going to Colorado. Maybe we're going to South Florida. We're going to check in with Jerry Judy. All-time great at the University of Alabama, heading into his second year with the Denver Broncos. We'll talk with Jerry about a number of topics when Southern Fried Sports returns right after this. 
Alabama football countdown clock is driven by Crawford Insurance, Tuscaloosa's low-cost auto insurer. Call 752-6489 for a free quote today. There are, there are, there are 67 days until Alabama football. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mixture of clouds and sunshine. A few spots could see a passing shower or storm through the evening hours. The high today, 88. The low tonight, 71. Tomorrow and Thursday, partially sunny with scattered storms around both days. Highs between 86 and 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Alabama, and we're really excited right now to head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line at 205-342-9904. We're going to check in with an all-time great where Alabama football is concerned. Jerry Judy, the 2018 Bolitnikoff Award winner during his time with the Crimson Tide and a big, big night coming up for Jerry Judy in that he is set to release the first ever digital non-fungible token rookie card. The drop will take place on the NFT platform Bitski tonight at 7 p.m. Central. The series that Jerry is releasing features four NFT trading cards, two digital diamond-encrusted jerseys, and one ultimate rookie card. I'd say that's uh, that's a pretty nice setup there, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm excited to see how it goes out. I know you're also excited because some of the proceeds from this drop are going to benefit a cause that I'm sure very near and dear uh, to your heart. Uh, when you talk about uh, Trisomy 18 support of that cause, and I know it's something you dealt with personally in your in your family. Yeah, you know, that's something... Um, that me and my family dealt with with my little sister, and that's just another way I could show my support and help out when it comes to other family members that deal with the same situation. And so that will get underway on the platform Bitski tonight. And if you want more information, you want to preview it, register for this event, go to www.bitski.com forward slash Jerry Judy. They'll have all the information for you there. I know a couple of jerseys are involved in this situation, Jerry, and got me to thinking, did you consider a change from 10 to four uh, out there in Denver? Is that number already accounted for? What did, did you, did you, did you think about that a little bit? Yeah, I did. I think about, I, I thought about it. I was going to change it. So I got, um, how much I had to pay for it to, to change the number, uh, that made me change my mind. So I'm just sit with the number 10. <laughs> Money better spent elsewhere than on uh, trying to take over that number four out there uh, in Denver. But uh, evaluate your rookie season in 2020 for us. Uh, you know, solid numbers, I would say. Uh, but I'm sure you're expecting to, to build on those and, and go to even higher uh, production levels here in 2021. Yeah, um, I feel like I had a okay season. I could have, I didn't play to my expectation, you know, um, other than them drops. Uh, I feel like it was okay. I could have done a lot more better, but uh, I'm just excited for this year, and I feel like I got a lot to prove this year. Talk about the quarterback situation there in Denver. You add Teddy Bridgewater to the mix, uh, Drew Locke, a young quarterback with some promise, certainly. 
dynamic arm talent when you think of Drew Locke. Uh, I guess this is a situation you're somewhat familiar with, similar, I guess, in some ways to what you dealt with at Alabama with Jalen and maybe Tua. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we got two great quarterbacks and um, Drew and Teddy, you know, competing against each other. I feel like it's a, a great competition because you see each and every day in practice, they just get better and improve on their game. So having each other, having them compete against each other, you can see the, the outcome between them two. Another NFL draft for the Denver Broncos, another first-round selection from the University of Alabama this time, and a fellow South Floridian in Patrick Sertan II. What was your initial reaction when the Broncos selected your former Alabama teammate? Uh, I was excited um, for my boy, Pat. You know, growing up from the same hometown and playing in the same college and having a, another close um, Alabama guy um, up in Denver with me was very exciting. You know, it's it going to be great work to go against him in practice and compete against him. He gave me great work every day in practice when I was in college. So now being able to be on the same team is going to be exciting. You guys had such a tremendous run as the rideouts at Alabama between yourself, Devontae, Jalen Waddell, Henry Ruggs third. I wanted to ask you, does John Mechie, does he have rideout status? Is that a positional thing that will carry over to the next wave, in your opinion, or was it limited to just you four guys? No, no, John Mechie, he's a great talent, hard worker, um, great kid. You know, I'm excited to see what he do this year. I know playing a little bit behind Smitty, but this year is his, his year, so I'm excited to see what he do. Now, there's some other South Floridians at the wide receiver position I wanted to ask you about, see if you're I'm, – I'm sure you're familiar with Xavier Williams, been in the program for a few years, but a couple of young guys, Jai Hall with roots to South Florida, same for Ja'Cory Brooks. Uh, with so many of you guys moving on here in the last couple of days and all that production at the wide receiver position – what do you sort of forecast for this next wave? Oh uh, yeah, um, there's a lot of great talent coming into Alabama that came from South Florida. Uh, I went to the spring game, so I've seen a lot of them guys play a little bit. So I'm excited to see what them boys do this year. Um, they're very talented, very um, they're good kids, and I'm I'm yeah. yeah. With all four of you guys in the league now, with Jalen in Miami and. Devontae up in Philadelphia, you, of course, in Denver, and Henry in Las Vegas. Is there a friendly competition for you guys now that you're all in the league at different places? Do you talk about maybe some individual goals, some some standards that you guys would like to hit? Is it is it is is there any of that between you four? No, we haven't really talked about um, really that as much, for real. You know, we just all want to be go out there and just, be the best player we could be this season and then ball out. Uh, I know everybody got their own different type of goals. Everybody want to go to the Super Bowl. But, yeah, we don't really talk about too much about it. You know, we just want to go out there and do our thing each and every game. What is the one or two areas maybe that's been a primary focus for you in the offseason with a year in the National Football League under your belt and understanding the step up? in play, even coming from a place like Alabama and the SEC, there's no denying a uh, different animal once you get to the National Football League. Were there some things that became pretty clear to you that going into your first offseason you wanted to address? Um, really, excuse me, really my um, my concentration drop. Um, I had a lot of uh, concentration drop when I just wanted to catch the ball and make a play so so fast, but now I'm just focused on catching the ball first and making the play second. So that's the biggest emphasis that I'm working on this offseason. We talk about this next wave of guys that's coming through Alabama beginning this season. Obviously, John Mechie uh, pretty well established with his play in 2020. If you had one piece of advice for uh, Javon Baker or Trayshawn Holden or Ajay Hall, Ja'Cory Brooks, Xavier Williams, guys like that, following in your path, what would it be, talent aside, what would be the most important aspect or two, in your opinion, to getting on the field at a place like Alabama, playing for a coach like Nick Saban, all that that entails? Um, just doing all the right things you need to do. Stay focused, stay locked in into your playbook, and just knowing your assignment and just be reliable when you're on the field. You know, Coach Saban, look, look at all that. You know, you got to be reliable. Um, 
you got to know, know what you're doing on the field. So once you take care of all that, everything going to come in place. And I guess with knowing those assignments, that offers you the ability to play the different spots, right? The more spots you can play uh, between those wide yeah, receiver more, positions, the, the quicker you're going to get on the field. Yeah, the more spots you can play, the more ways they could, get, they could get you the ball. So if you could play inside, outside, that's just more ways you could get the ball and then make plays. What about blocking involved in that? It seems like it's uh, really a calling card for Alabama wide receivers. So much talk about the explosive plays, and understandably so, but it seems like year in and year out, you guys were just and continue to be exceptional in space when it comes to blocking. Yeah, you know, you got you to gotta be a receiver that knows how to do it all, catch the ball, um, block. You know, you want to you wanna be an all-around receiver, you know, so you can make plays. Even when you're not – even with the ball – not in your hands. You gotta make a uh, make a play. So blocking for your running back, stuff like that, is really good for the team. Well, Jerry, we certainly wish you the best of luck with the NFT rookie card drop tonight. That's going to start at 7 p.m. Central again to preview the card drop and the associated events that are going to go with it, the associated merchandise, and also to register. Go to www.bitsky.com forward slash jerry judy jerry thanks again for joining us thanks for having me there you go it's jerry judy former alabama great wanted that number four or at least hinted at one of that number four you know as number four for the denver broncos right now brett ripian i gotta think given brett's place on the old depth chart and even though his father is a former nfl quarterback Maybe Brent should have had to just give that up free of charge. What do you think? Jerry going to stick with number 10, though. They're going to have jerseys represented in that drop tonight, both from Alabama, Alabama-related number four, and a Denver Broncos number 10. Thanks again to Jerry Judy for joining us on the program. Thanks to Brent Beard as well. The Lodge Whistle on this Tuesday. It is a Thai Chicken Pizza Tuesday at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Trust me, you want to check that out. Heat Pizza Bar as good, better pizza than you'll put in your mouth anywhere in the United States of America and beyond in all likelihood. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing the show until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.